Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Nitzel. Introducing the S&D Podcast Channel, your new source for all types of podcasts. We are looking for new podcasts to add to our channel. So if you ever wanted to start a podcast, reach out to us via Twitter, DM, or just add us at S&D Podcast. Or message us on Facebook or even email us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. Once you reach out to us, we'll tell you the best way to create a podcast. All types of podcasts are welcome. So anything you want to talk about for a podcast, just let us know. No idea is a bad idea. We're already on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play, and all other podcast apps. All you have to do is record the podcast. So hit us up soon so you can start your podcast now. Yo, yo, how we doing, everybody? Episode three of the Fan Vault Podcast. I am Justin Diamond, once again alongside Mr. Jesse Gollum, and we have a lot of fun stuff planned today, Jesse. Yeah, we do. It's been a crazy week in sports between the uh, baseball playoffs, some NFL action, a wild finish last night to the Mets-Giants game, and the night before that to the Blue Jays game, so you gotta we'll get to it all. I'm sure the, uh, the MLB execs are very excited so far about the beginning of this postseason. That's for sure. But even more exciting in the world of Fan Vault, which I'm sure everybody is, you know, on the edge of their seats about, our uh, Fan Vault app is officially in all iOS app stores across the country, maybe in Canada. I don't even know. I'm sure it's in Canada. I think that's how it works. Definitely in Canada. Europe, I'm not that sure about. I don't really know how the iOS app store works. I'm only focused on North America, though, right now, especially since the Blue Jays have moved on to the next round. But we had a little uh, soft launch, and we had some members who attended the Mets game last night. It went very well. Photos uploaded. Stats are there. Uh, connections were made. And uh, I don't know, Jesse, did you see this yesterday? I, we were handing out little promotional signs and one of the signs actually, got out. They got I out on the ESPN. Saw, I saw it on TV. I'm like, wow, Justin's really arrived. This is big. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when it was on TV, I would say maybe 0.7% of the people noticed the Fan Vault logo. But <laughs> uh, I noticed it. You see the sign during this exciting event at a baseball game, and uh, it was just really cool to me. But... I mean, let's be real, though. As a fan, I was just a little more excited about what was going on on the field. I love this new format. I love it in the bottom of my heart. It's been two or three years now, maybe four years potentially, of just exciting go or, uh, win or go home baseball. And I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, it, it's so different and new and exciting. I mean, these two games we've had the last couple of days have been just, you know, barn burners of baseball games. And I remember thinking when they first uh, introduced the new format how it was kind of antithetical to baseball to have a kind of one game winner goes home all riding on your best starting pitcher uh, experience. But it actually feels like the essence of baseball, right? You have Bumgarner against Syndergaard. I mean, that's something, yeah, you'd get that in, the, in a game one of a playoff series or maybe even in a game seven. 
but um, to have it distilled into like, you know, our best guy against your best guy, watch it go zero, zero down to the wire um, and then come down to bullpens. I mean, that's really baseball. And uh, it's hard to imagine, honestly, more exciting baseball than that. It's super exciting. I, the thing is, yeah, I think they got to keep it's the Super Bowl for baseball in a way, because, you know, that's, you know, the, I think the, the it's not going to be Super Bowl ratings, but the ratings will come in. If you have a Madison Bumgarner, Noah Syndergaard matchup, people are going to watch. I don't know what the exact numbers were. I think I'm going to look that up. But, you know, I would keep it the way it is for the wild card. I think it's a brilliant idea. I still love the best of seven, though, for the World Series. You got to keep that. Uh, the Super the Super Bowl format would not work for the World Series, in my opinion, just because. You know, I don't think anybody would argue that the whole MLB playoffs should be one game, but um, this one game at the beginning really just does introduce a lot more excitement. But not only in the game itself, we should say. I mean, having that second wild card really makes, to me, the whole season a lot more interesting. Uh, it used to be. In, you know, July, the playoff picture started to become super clear. I mean, you'd have a couple teams running away with their divisions and one of the divisions would have a second place team that was, you know, uh, significantly better than any of the other second place teams. So the wild card seems pretty locked up, too. Um, and then the teams that were clinging to division leads knew even if they lost them, they'd probably be the wild card. So. You know, they're really, you know, they end up being one or two close races each year. But um, regular season baseball was just never all that exciting for that long, Um, especially watching, you know, games from from teams that aren't the ones that, you know, you root for. Uh, So this second wild card has made it so like, especially the last couple years, you have almost 10 teams in each league going down to the wire to get these playoff spots. Uh, let me ask something. So let's say, uh, let's say you're a Mets fan. You watched last night's game. They lost. Do you really consider that a postseason burst for the Mets this year? You see, that's a good question. Um, because one thing I, I wasn't so sold on when they first introduced this format is the idea of you know an 162 game season coming down to one game. Uh, it really does feel like a play a play in game rather than a playoff game uh, to me. It's uh, like a game 163, you know? Exactly. Like, it's it's the old, you know, they used to have these 163rd games when you'd have a tie, and it feels that way. So the one thing that I'm still not crazy about is the idea that uh, the first place wildcard team can win, say, 94 games. And theoretically, the second place wildcard ga- uh, team could win 87 games. Um, so it's a pretty big difference in the scope of 162 game season, but it still all comes down to one game, our guy against your guy. Something about that doesn't seem so fair to me still. Um, but having said that, it, it does now feel like the trade-offs in terms of what you get in, in terms of the competitiveness, the excitement, um, you know, keeping the season interesting for a longer period of time is worth uh, what you lose in, in maybe like the balance of of, uh, of the fairness of the game. What I like about it is that it's ten teams. So if you're a top ten team, which is a very round even number, you got a shot to win the world series. A uh, world series. Top ten teams in baseball. If you're not a top ten team in baseball, then and you're a fan of that team, like uh, I am with the Yankees this year, uh, yeah, yeah, then it's a little miserable to be honest. But you know, kudos to all those teams who made it, and uh, it gives you know teams like the Blue Jays who haven't had much success in the past an opportunity to 
to experience joy in October. And uh, what other teams are there? That let's see, the Indians. Let's be real. An Indian fan base. When was the last time the Indians were in the playoffs? I guess you give these little, smaller market teams an opportunity to go big. Kansas City last year, past two years. Um, it's a great opportunity, and uh, you know MLB really. I think they really cashed in with this wild card idea. Yeah, and I, I'd say. You mentioned the Yankees. I think they're a perfect example of why the wild card works, this year's team. I mean, I would have lost interest, Gary Sanchez aside, um, in probably May, even before the uh, the fire sale. Um, especially after the fire sale, you know, I would flip it on here and there to catch, uh, you know, an Aaron Judge at bat or a Gary Sanchez at bat or whatever. But... I ended up watching more baseball down the stretch this season than I had in a long time. You know, obviously with the Yankees, you had the excitement of the youth movement, but I I think a big part of it was they were in the playoff hunt against all odds because they had this kind of life preserver of a second wild card that was being tossed them. It kept me watching. It kept me checking, you know, scores from other teams. It kept me interested and engaged across the league. And, um, these days, you know, when we talked about this last week, Justin, when sports fandom is so based around, you know, following players on other teams because of fantasy sports, watching all of the games, anything that's actually part of the league, like this second wild card that keeps fans engaged across the league, across the games every day down in the stretch is really good for the game. And, uh, you know, caveats aside, I think just a really great development in baseball. So one team that didn't need to play a wild card game were the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think that's a very big team in the uh, baseball world, and they lost a national treasure in the baseball world, and that's Vince Scully. He has stepped down from broadcasting baseball games since 1950, which is remarkable. It's crazy. I just watched this is interview David Letterman and Vil, uh, Vince Scully in 1990. I tweeted it in the Vince Scully. Uh, in the fan vault I tweeted it in the fan vault Twitter account and David Letterman opens up the segment he says uh, this guy he's been announcing he's a he's at a he's a baseball icon a legendary icon he's been announcing baseball for 40 whatever years and I'm just thinking this is 1990 that was 16 years ago David Letterman said that we weren't even born yet and in 1990 he was still a legendary icon and he says he had an amazing career, and I'm just thinking the guy hasn't even gotten started yet. He's got 17 years ahead of him. It was just great baseball to announce, and now he's gone. I'm each ahead of him, does he have Justin? 20, yes, sir. 20, <laughs> oh, Jesse, we, I was not in advanced math. Let's just remember that. 20, <laughs> 26 years. I like to think we're still in 2006, whatever. 27 years of announcing after that. Pretty remarkable, and. Uh, you know, I just thought it was really amazing. When you're a fan of a team and you're watching your team on television for all these years, you gr- you grow a giant connection with your announcers. And I think the last game that Vince Scully announced with the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium, it was demonstrated by the fans of how much they appreciated the guy. Yeah, you know, I, I shudder to think just in the day when John Sterling retires and <laughs> the two of us have to cope keep each other company so that we don't collapse. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be a little uh, – I'm going to be sentimental when John Sterling retires. I'm not going to lie. Susan Wallman, though, when she when she calls the quits, I'm going to be throwing a, a goodbye party for her and uh, just 
uh, not for her. It's just going to be a goodbye party. Yes, she's gone. You know, more <laughs> of that aspect. Uh, yeah. The th- I mean, I'm ready to roll out the, the red carpet for them both to get out of there. But what's amazing and the reason I bring up Sterling aside to, from just shitting on him because that's fun is because here's a guy, Sterling, that's been doing Yankee games for 30 years. I mean, granted, half of what Scully has done but is, you know, it's not as if Scully is so great just because he hung around for 60 years. Like he was some, you know, guy they couldn't fire because he was an institution or this guy was, you know, you ask any media reporter, you ask any fan, you ask any uh, critic. This guy's one of the five best announcers in the history of sports, one of the best, if not the best in the history of baseball. And, um, you know, he did it for 57 years, which is a truly astounding thing. I mean, you watch the, uh, it's like, you know, Don Larson. He didn't call the Don Larson game. It's insane. I mean, just that, yeah, he announced people from the 1940s. He announced people from the 2010s, whatever you call it. He announced Jackie Robinson. That's We've something. been saying 57 years. 67 years is the real number. He yeah, was an announced announcer for 67 years someone like joe buck he's been announcing now uh the world series for many many years but if let's say he goes to 67 years he'll get his respect you know because he's been the voice but he's i don't know if he's going to get the same send-off like vince scully's going to i really don't think so i mean i guess we have to wait you know 20 30 years for that to happen but just vince scully he's one of a kind just his description of everything his stories and his anecdotes and he really built an amazing relationship with the Dodger fans. And, you know, he's he's not dead. He's only he's turned 89 years old. He's not dead. But it, for the Dodger fans, it must seem like they're losing a family member in a way because you turn on the TV and there's no uh, person before the game's end. And here, it's time for Dodger baseball. That's my Vince Scully impression. It's not too hard, I don't think. But... You know, it's <laughs> die for Dodger baseball. It's sad. It's sad to think about. Uh, you know, they watch the same announcer for all these years and all their entire lives, most of these people, and he's gone. But it's yeah, pretty that's, amazing. That's I mean, life. You are, I guess, I guess it is. That's life, right? Uh, difference would say, you know, Buck is a national announcer. I mean, he's also a worse announcer than Scully, but he's a national guy, so you catch him. If you're a casual baseball fan, you catch Buck probably four to five times a year, you know, on Saturday games if your team's in the playoffs and they're on Fox. Um, but Scully, I mean, this is a guy that if you're a Dodger fan, if you're a 70-year-old Dodger fan, you watched him every day for 70 years. I mean, that's remarkable. It's a feat we'll probably never see again. To put it in perspective, Scully started when he was 21. As the announcer for the Dodgers. See, that's something that can't happen anymore. It can't happen anymore. It won't happen. And he held on to the job and excelled on it for almost 70 years. Um, just remarkable. Uh, we wish him the best. Absolutely wish him the best. Um, moving on to something not as, uh, we'll say, laudatory in the playoff baseball world. Justin, do you see this beer can throwing fan in Toronto the other night? Uh, obviously. Uh, well, actually, it was kind of, I saw it happen live, and then only after that, I only saw it on Twitter. But, um, but yeah, I saw it. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays fans, they're doing what they do best. 
uh, recently at least, they love throwing their stuff on the field. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how like the Blue Jays, little Blue Jays aside here, they haven't been, they weren't good for like 20 years almost. Um, they get good and their fans end up being like some of the rowdiest, you know, loudest, uh, kind of destructive fans in baseball. It was like a sleeping giant or something. Yeah, the Blue Jays fans, they're known for their, I feel like everyone in Canada for that matter, just known for their, their, uh, their, their goodwill, their cheerful spirit, their, hey, yeah, let me help you with that. Hey, let me hold the door for you there. You know, the clean streets, no peeing on the streets. It's just all very, it's a friendly environment. Then all the, uh, this is what I've been thinking for my entire life. Then the last two years of the playoffs, all I'm seeing are Toronto Blue Jays fans just throwing everything in sight on the field. It started last year during that crazy Jose Batista bat flip game uh, when that crazy play when uh, Russell Martin threw the ball at the bat run scored. Blue Jays fans got very upset. They started throwing stuff on the field, almost knocking babies out. Mothers were literally holding their children, protecting them, and they were getting hit by the cups and cans instead. It's uh, is that right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's some. I think I think there's a gif of it. You can look it up. <laughs> I think I've been reading that Rob Manfred. He's they're sending some sort of alcohol restriction in the stands, which is crazy to me. This is something the Yankees have done when they opened up the new stadium. Is it, throwing stuff on the field. That's what happened at the old Yankee Stadium. There's amazing clips when uh, I think it, Don Mattingly hit a big home run in 1995. Next thing you know, every one of the bleachers, they're psyched up because their guy, Don Mattingly, just hit a home run. They start throwing stuff on the field. And the, you expect that with New Yorkers, though. You know, it's New York. You know, the city that never sleeps. He's got in, his, in 04, the bloody sock game. It was a nightmare, people throwing stuff on the field. After the, especially after the A-Rod, uh, you know, trying to jab the ball out of Bronson Royals glove. Oh, my God. That, that was a moment right there to remember. But now, yeah. uh, allegedly, they're going to create some uh, alcohol restrictions in Toronto. It definitely can generate some opinions. Yeah, and I have one, Justin. I have pretty strong feelings on this whole alcohol at ball games crackdown that these leagues seem to be uh, going on. You know, on one hand, of course, it's the right thing to do. You know, you don't want people driving home drunk. You don't want people getting violent at ball games. But, you know, I remember going to games as a kid. And I remember sitting in the upper deck at a playoff game, Yankees A's, and I think in 2002 or 2003, maybe 2001. Probably 2001. 2001, actually, I think, because I was pretty small. And some guy, you know, being around a bunch of cursing, swearing, drunk off off their asses, you know, old guys. And it was fun. It was part of the experience. And it was even fun up until somebody literally, this is a true story, dropped a, a whole tray of beers onto my eight-year-old head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, now, is that a good thing that happened, that an eight-year-old got doused in oh beer? Oh, God. Um, now, his first beer shower. I remember, <laughs> I remember having a pretty big smile on my face and, like, laughing about it. And I also remember the guy behind me who dropped the tray um, saying, you know, kid, welcome to Yankee Stadium. Um, <laughs> so, you know, alcohol, alcohol. <laughs> welcome to welcome to Yankee Stadium. Let me buy you a beer, eight-year-old Jesse. <laughs> if it was today, he would have been so mad because dropping four beers means dropping $50. 
Um, you might as well just literally take a $50 bill, light it on fire. Um, but this guy, you know, it was fun. It was part of the experience. And, you know, obviously alcohol is, you know, can do a lot of harm. Like I said, you know, you don't want people driving home from these games drunk. You don't want them fighting. But actually, you kind of do want them fighting. Like, I remember going to Yankee Sox games as a kid, and every 20 minutes there'd be a fight breaking out in one place or another. And, of course, that wasn't, like, you know, the most uh, safe environment or what, like, the Yankees lawyers would probably like to see. But it was, like, part of the experience and the excitement and the intensity of going to a big game. And now that you're telling me that, the Blue Jays are going to have their whole stadium kind of, you know, looked after by the, by baseball just because one asshole threw a beer can. To me, that's like a little bit asinine. I mean, there's 50,000 people there who should be having a good time. Well, here's the thing, though. Here's the yeah. thing. You're playing devil's advocate. And I'm not saying, you know, I disagree with you because I do think fans should be able to have a good time. And I- Justin, people have been drinking at ball games for 100 years. You know, one one jackass shouldn't ruin it for the rest of us. And um, I agree with you. I think it just all comes back to the Toronto. I think, in my opinion, the Toronto fans are just being very rowdy because it's Toronto. It's Canada versus America right now. Toronto is representing Canada. You they, think they, I, think, I think that's part of it. I'm just being completely honest with you. Uh, I The ratings for that wild card game, there were like there are four point something million people watching in America. There are four point something million people watching in Canada alone, and there are thirty five people who live uh, thirty five million people who live in Canada. So this is something that's extremely important to Canadians. It's a, a sense of pride in that in that sense, I believe. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, back to the alcohol part. Like they made it hard enough to get drunk at these games because uh, you know the beers cost. 12 fucking dollars or whatever you know who can afford to get drunk anymore but uh it really does change the atmosphere at a game i think if you went to a baseball game 10 years ago particularly a big baseball game um you'd have probably and this is obviously pulling a number straight out of my behind but you'd have something like 40 percent of the of the crowd being drunk you know, having at least a buzz. Um, and now you go to a ball game and there's nobody who's drunk. I mean, maybe there's like a couple guys in the bleachers, but they, it's really a completely different atmosphere. You have this calm, quiet, you know, group of fans who's looking at their phones and kind of just sitting back and watching the game. Whereas in the, in the past, when half the stadium was, was drunk off their ass, you had people, you know, going nuts, only thinking about the game on the edge of their seats, high-fiving each other. And it just, it really did, does change the excitement, I think, in a ball game. I'm not going to lie. I feel like the reason why it's been so quiet at Yankee Stadium for these past few years is just because the team has not been good. They haven't had any exciting games. No, I, I, I really disagree. I agree. You know, you could disagree, whatever. I have no problem. Because I don't think it wasn't like I was at the wild card last game, biggest game they had in three, four years, this team. Stadium was out of control excited. Loudest I've ever heard the stadium, even louder than game one of the World Series in 2009, which I was at. 
See, Granted, see, was, they got I shut out basically by Cliff Lee, but listen, I, yeah, I, you know, you go, the bleachers they they still have their they still have their excitement, you still have fans yelling at the players, um, but you know, it's it's I I really do think a good team generates excitement for a fan base, and I don't know if alcohol is really the problem there because there's only a little alcohol restriction in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium. Uh, they, but it's it's two beers, uh, you know, two beers you could buy at a time, and after the seventh inning you cut, uh, it's cut off. Um, but when you have an exciting, an exciting game going on, an exciting, you know, an important game going on, you have the true fans there, and the true fans, those are the people who are going to be high fiving. Those are the people who actually want to see their team win and get emotional when something uh, amazing happens on the field or something terrible happens on the field. And I think that's just also demonstrated also right now with City Field last night with the Rogers Center the other night. Those stadiums were electric. I was reading tweets that um, that wild card game, once again, was even more electric than the World Series game they played last year, which is, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's once again, one of those winner-go-home type of things. Um, whether alcohol comes into play or not, uh, you know, that's that's up for debate. Um you know, it's not like I don't think in Toronto they're banning alcohol in general, just putting maybe a little more restrictions in there just because yeah. they I, they almost lost their rights to the, – the, the fans put it on themselves essentially, I feel like. Well, one fan did, but, I mean, to be fair, I am kind of using this, this isolated incident as an excuse to rant about something that's been pissing me off at ballgames for a while because, you know, it's not just alcohol – the fact that tickets have gotten more expensive, that it's easier to stay home, you know, and enjoy the game on a nice big HDTV, um, has all contributed to to me an environment at ball games, and not just at Yankee games. I mean, obviously, I mostly go to New York sports games, but it's the same thing at Giants games, same thing at Knicks games. These arenas are just a little more restrained. These crowds are a little more restrained than they used to be. Um, I'd even say significantly more restrained. And for me as a kid, part of the joy of going to a game was, you know, being in an environment where everybody was just swept up in the outcome, you know, where we were all, you know, uh, hanging on every pitch, on every snap, whatever it was. Uh, And I think, honestly, as shitty as it is, alcohol played a pretty big role in in fostering that environment. And today in, in a space where, um, you know, beers cost at least $10 at most of these stadiums. And, you know, you can't buy one after the sixth inning and they won't sell you two at a time. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't really care because I honestly don't really drink much of games anyway. But it does bother me a little bit because I feel like as a fan, I'm being kind of robbed of the exciting atmosphere that we used to have. I'm not going to lie. I can't watch a baseball game or a sporting event like drunk. Yeah, I'm like one of those guys who, who Oh yeah, go right to sleep. Yeah, I go to the I I want to focus on what's going on in the field. And if mm-hmm. I miss something, I would just the next morning I'd be how did I what was I doing? Why did I miss that? Just cuz I had a few beers in me. I I watch my game sober. I think what's going on in the field is more important than the, you know, than the idiocy drunks do 
around the stands. I, listen, I like to uh, appreciate it as a sober person around me. I don't want to see that disappear in the stands. But me personally, when I'm watching the game, I gotta be focused. You know, take it, take an Adderall or something. Let's 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 get it. You know. Can you take an Adderall to watch baseball? Nah, only concerts, but like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> only concerts, which is great. I recommend it for all you folks out there. Good uh, to know. Yo, Justin, there's a word there I wanted you to clarify. I believe it was uh, idiocy, was what you said. Is it is idiocy not a word? <laughs> all right, so, so we established on this episode of the Fan Vault podcast <laughs> that I don't know math and I don't know English. So <laughs> it's a good start. Yeah. So it's kind of a funny ne- word. Next week we'll be going into biology and um, yeah, yeah. I was a history major at school though, so you know. We're gonna just this podcast from now on is just gonna be trivia for Justin. It's a funny word to screw up. Uh, idiocy. <laughs> oh, so okay. Well, I just mispronounced it. Well, you added like two letters at least. Did Idiot- I add two letters? Idiocy. Yeah. Anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to make you feel bad, Justin. Just uh, wanted to make sure um, yeah, I had heard correctly. Uh, anyway, you made me feel bad in front of our our six <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, but sorry, uh, Justin's mom. I didn't mean to to hurt your feelings. No, I'm not sure uh-huh. of this one. <laughs> so, anyway, we wanted to close out today's show on kind of a nice note. All this talk about. You know, beer can throwing fans and uh, Ben Scully's unfortunate retirement. Um, with uh, it's with not, it's a, not unfortunate. It's something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think that's fair. It's maybe not the right word. Unfortunate that we won't get uh, to listen to him anymore. But um, be happy that it happened, as he likes yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I think so, he says that. I think that's his I, quote. Anyway, and, continue. And I think that's like a Disney line. Anyway. The uh, <laughs> the, um, the the way we want to close out the show is kind of sharing our few favorite playoff baseball moments in honor of uh, the postseason getting underway this week. So, you know, Justin, why don't you start us off? No, I, I, want you, I want you to go first because I feel like you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be like, why is that moment in your in your list? Could you go? Yeah, sure. So, look, I'm a Yankee fan, um, so mine are all Yankee moments. Um, we're sticking to baseball for now, but to me, Jeter, homering uh, 2001, didn't didn't get to see it live, um, but hitting that November home run against the Diamondbacks, I was well asleep. Watching it the next day, I remember being as excited as I was otherwise. Uh, the Boone homer, sadly, also was asleep for that one, too. Um <laughs> Though this one was my fault. See, this is how bad of a Yankee fan I was growing up. Um, oh. It was game seven of that series. Uh, they were down, I think, what was it, Justin, 4 nothing. Which series are you um, talking about? The game, uh, 2003? Yeah, in 03. They were down 4 nothing, I believe. Or it was either like 4 nothing or 6-2. It they was 4 nothing, and then it went to 5-2. Yeah. Anyway, I gave up. I went to bed because I was so upset. And not only did I choose to go to bed in the fourth or fifth inning, but my, apparently I have literally zero recollection, re- recollection of this to this day. Uh, my dad and my sister both tried to wake me up after Posada had the blue double uh, to tie the game, and I refused. Literally no re- recollection, but they swear it happened. Anyway, Boone's got to be up there. I still get chills every time I watch the replay, oh, even though I didn't see it live. Um, 
the Jeter flip to get Jeremy Giambi not sliding inexplicably out at home plate against the A's remains one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Johnny Damon stealing two bases in 2009. Yeah. Uh, that, awesome. you know, that one wasn't a play like where I was like jumping off the walls when it happened, but it was such a cool play that I've never seen before in such a key moment. Yeah. That was uh, the first time I've ever seen that play. Yeah. And I've I, seen it a couple times after that. Then Alex Rodriguez drove him in with a base hit after that to take the lead. So that was a yeah. bad one. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen it since. You watch more baseball than I. I've never seen it before. Um, and then, really cool. I don't know if this is a moment as much as a series of moments, but in Game Six of the 2009 World Series, driving in all those runs. Um, that was a guy. You know, by 2009, we've been watching him for six, seven years. He was just a great hitter who never got his due because he kind of fell a little short of expectations coming over from Japan. But watching him pretty much cap off his career there in New York with one of the most dominant offensive performances I'd ever seen to win a World Series uh, was really, really special. So those are my five. Um, Do with them what you will. Yeah, you're right on that. And so the thing is, uh, I'm a Yankee fan as well. Um, And, you know, for me, the the greatest – you know, moments in Yankee postseason were when we were when I was a little boy, a little Justin Diamond, and my parents would make me go to sleep during a lot of these big moments. I was awake for the Aaron Boone game, so that's on my list as well. Um, another thing that's on my list. Uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say I watched the highlights of these mate, like the Jeter home run, the Tino Martinez tying up that same game in the 2001 World Series, Scott Broch is tying those home runs. I, I watch those clips all the time on YouTube because I'm just a fan of Yankee history. I love it. So, But like I said, I'm a Yankee fan, and some of these things on my list are going to be kind of weird. First of all, let me just say the Yankee things on my list. Aaron Boone, 2003, I was awake for that. I freaked out. Earliest postseason memory where I was – biggest moment I was awake for. So I, I was jumping all over my living room. Entire family was. We had a bunch of people over in my house. Everyone was jumping up and down, obviously. And then um, another Yankee moment, uh, Rowley Banez in the 2012 ALDS. He, this is when A-Rod was with the Yanks, obviously, in 2012, and he was having a terrible postseason, and the Yankees were down one run in the ninth inning, and what did Joe Girardi do? They pinched hit for the great Alex Emmanuel Rodriguez, Alexander Emmanuel Rodriguez. And they brought up Rally Banez, and this is the questionable call. Take out one of the greatest hitters of all time for Rally Banez. Uh, second pitch I think he sees, knocks one into the seats. Everyone freaked out. Game goes into extra innings. Two, uh, two innings later, I guess the 11th inning, he comes up again. Game still tied at two. First pitch he sees to lead off an inning. Bam, home run. Yankees win. And that was just an amazing moment for me because I was actually pledging in my fraternity at that time. And we were supposed to be at uh, we were supposed to be at pledging that night, but me and my buddy, we managed to escape it. We snuck out of there, and <laughs> which obviously wasn't the best move. And we watched that moment, and then we I just said it was totally worth it just because we got to watch that Raleigh Bond as a moment. So that's something that always sticks through my mind. Aaron Boone, obviously, and then the other Yankee thing on my list is uh, A. Rod tying the game in two thousand nine in the ALDS against Joe Nathan. You know, we yeah, all, that's a great. That was amazing, right? The Oppo Field bomb into the bullpen. I was just psyched up. No real big story behind that one. Just A Rod doing A Rod, and that the rest of the playoffs for A Rod. Just home run after home run after home run. 
So here are the the two things on my list that may that's definitely going to confuse you, Jesse, and anyone who you know. I claim I'm a Yankee fan, and I swear to God I am. But I'm also a baseball fan, and I appreciate big moments in the postseason. So I'm going to start with last year, in Game Three of the World Series, when David Wright hit a home run in his first at bat, and his first home field at bat in the World Series uh, with the Mets. And I was watching at a bar with a bunch of Mets fans, and he absolutely crushed. Uh, it was a two-run home run into the left uh, left field seats, and the stadium erupted. It completely er- uh, the stadium erupted, the bar erupted, and I was just looking around and just watching the pure elation of Mets fans because they've been watching this kid David Wright for ten years at the time, eleven years, and he's been go- going through his injuries, and he had his in his first home field moment. He in the World Series, he went yard, and it was just an awesome moment as a baseball fan. And I felt great for him. I felt great for the organization. And then number five on the list, <laughs> Jesse, you're going to be like, why is this on your list? But in 2013, during a playoff series, I think it was the ALDS as well. Uh, I was on vacation at the time. The Red Sox were playing the Detroit Tigers, and the Red Sox were down four runs. <laughs> And David Ortiz comes up with the bases loaded. And I don't know why the Yankees were out at this point. I'm just thinking, you know, David Ortiz has been such a clutch player for all of these years. For some reason, I kind of want to see this guy just make Fenway Park explode right now. Hit a grand slam and, you know, do some good. Just another clutch moment in the David Ortiz career. And what do you Unbelievable. I'm, unbe- I'm unbelievable, stop, right? Stop religious, man. You can't pick a David Ortiz playoff home run on your favorite postseason moment. It was amazing. Yeah. Listen, the Yankees were long out of it. I, the Tigers, I don't have any. The Tigers are the Tiger. I, mean, I don't really like the Tigers, to be honest. They, they're just kind of a bland team to me. Always have been. And I, I didn't want them to go and win the World Series. I just wanted to see David Ortiz do something pretty incredible. And that's the, the play. You know, he swung. At the pitch, hit it over the right field. That's the play. Dave, uh, what's it was it? Tory Hunter went over the the fence, and you see the cop, you know, cheering. Even though uh, Tory Hunter's, you know, in pain. But that was just a moment that you know why we love sports. I think just your your team is down four runs, bases loaded, and Big Poppy comes up and saves the Red Sox fans from miserable uh, misery. They ended up winning the game. They ended up winning the series. And yeah. Justin, um, yeah. I have to I have to think about if we can do this podcast anymore. I mean, this is. Uh, I was just watching in a hotel room. This is a new low, a new low for you as a sports fan, and uh, I know. I don't know if I can respect your your sports fan uh, perspective. What about the Mets one? The Mets I can live with. I mean, David Wright, it's a good guy. You know, <laughs> but uh, we actually met David Wright, you and I, Justin. I met him twice. This, this is a true story, uh, folks. We're going to close out the show with. Um, Justin and I met David Wright at a friend's birthday when we were, I think, like 13, <laughs> 12, 12, 13 years old. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Uh, I would hope so. And uh, we meet him. You know, everybody's just, we're, we're kids, so we're starstruck. I think if he wasn't a rookie, right, he was, you know, in his second season at the time. Yeah, I think he was second and, season. And uh, Third season. You know, uh, so so Justin says to, to David Wright. Let me tell him. David, you're on my fantasy team, and uh, and David goes, "Oh yeah." 
uh, how am I doing? <laughs> no, no, he goes, he, he goes, uh, so, hey, David, you know, you're on my fantasy team. So yeah. I go, yeah, how's the team doing? He goes, I go, uh, well, I'm actually in last place. And <laughs> David, being the incredible, <laughs> for, not laughing at my terrible GM moves, GM moves but, David, but uh, David right, he goes, right, he goes, oh, so are you, oh, so you, are you telling me to step it up? And then uh, <laughs> I just go, yeah, I kind of am. That's ridiculous. Remains ridiculous. Justin, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, calling out a, a professional baseball player at the age of twelve, so that his fantasy team would get a bit of a boost. But as you can tell from his uh, support of the Red Sox, that's just the kind of sports fan yes, that he is. All right, all right. I, I, I think the Rangers think the deserve Rangers a World Series. Not the Rangers. Who are they playing? The Indians. I think the Indians deserve a World Series. Uh, I think the David Ortiz hype right now is a little much. I just that one moment was just pretty special to me. Just as, yeah. as just as a baseball fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. Okay. Guys, we're well, gonna close out the show. Um, check out the Fan Vault app if you're going to postseason games. Uh, sign in, organize tailgates, connect to mutual friends, track stats, upload photos. Live vicariously through your friends who are going to the games. Do everything. Do all that with FanVault. Please download the app. It's amazing. Uh, also, tell your friends about the podcast because, you know, I think me and Jesse, we I think we, we kind of nail it, to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've made it this far, you know, share, share the love. Spread the love. Share the love. We're just trying to help the fellow fans out. We're just talking about, trying to talk about the fan experience. But... Unfortunately, we both have other things we got to do with our lives as well. So we got to get going today, right now. And uh, Jesse, another great episode. And till next time. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon if I can get over the sorties. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Download the Fan Vault app. Are you still mixing station gas and oil for your string trimmer, leaf blower, or chainsaw? Eliminate the mess and the guesswork with True Fuel, the original pre-mixed two-cycle fuel. True Fuel is ethanol-free and precision-engineered for small engines, improving performance, and extending the life of your outdoor power equipment. And True Fuel is available for both two- and four-cycle engines. Empower your equipment with True Fuel. Available at your local home and garden center today. Using an overpriced trash bag? Pricey, pricey, pricey! A bag that breaks? Whippy, whippy, whippy! Or a smelly bag? Stinky, stinky, stinky! You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty! It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy! Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long. Hefty, hefty, hefty!